Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to slash feasting your eyes upon the spoiler alert comic review podcast. I am your host, Johnny Destructo. With me this week is Noel. Sup, everybody. How you doing? My name is Noel. That was weird. I won't and be Brian. that. Oh, hey, JD. Hi, buddy. And Len. <laughs> hey, what's up? How's your boy? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. Thank you so much for hanging out with me, fellas. I wasn't sure if I had the uh, emotional fortitude to do a show today. I was up all night with anger and sadness just doing this, whatever this motion is, inside my chest. Sure, of course. I it would. It wouldn't be this way, then. It would be this way. No, yes. it backs up. This is in your broken. chest. It's, so, so this is like a metaphorical, like, my innards yes. are pulsating. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Throbbing. We don't need to get you a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're here to talk about this week's books, but first, uh, we don't have any emails. Uh, email us at coltspopgo at gmail.com so that you, we can interact with you. Um, but we did get some stuff in the mail from Carl Carl's. Noel. Woo! What? what? We got two issues of Phantom from us straight from Australia. Um... Issue 1861 and 1862, which is the end of an arc and the beginning of an arc. Huh. Um, I didn't get a chance to read them yet. However, this first cover is the Phantom fighting Nazis, it seems. Dude with a swastika on his hand. Mm. Never, never goes out of style. Never gets old. I mean, I wish comics weren't so political. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, But um, the oh. panel layout is actually really cool. So not only does oh, Carl Carl right into the show, he, he he mails us actual comics from Tasmania. How cool is that? Eventually, we're going to read them and review them because because you did that. How, how about that? Uh, so, JD, I will drop off today. I will socially distant drop off to you um, plastic and firepower. OK, if you give me Brown Fury. So that way, at least two of us have read it. OK. And we'll, we'll discuss. We'll check it out. Will do. Um, so thank you so much, Carl Carls. We hope that you're doing well. As everybody else out there watching, I hope you're doing well. Um, and, uh, you know, it just dawned on me that I believe Carl Carls is, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe that he is Carl C., who is a frequent opponent of mine on Words with Friends. Ah. What? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Does he keep trying to use the word brown fury? No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's it's curious. I don't I don't know what our our record is against each other. I know I know you can find out, um, but I don't think I've ever looked um, because I have another friend, Carl, who I think, I, who I've always thought was who I was playing, but. <laughs> At one point, I realized I don't think I was playing that Carl because the Carl that I'm playing seems a lot more intelligent. So, <laughs> so I think that it actually is Carl, Carl Carl's from Australia, who the who, according to his words, 
We're friends, uh, Stratagem. It's a very intelligent fellow, and I've enjoyed our matches. Like, Shots you know. fired to dumb Carl. Yeah. <laughs> Poor dumb Carl. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we are we're streaming live, so feel free to interact with us. We'd be more than happy to uh, chat with you while we're talking about this week's books. We're going to start off with Alienated number three from Boom Studios, written by Simon Spurrier, uh, with art by Chris Wildgoose and Andre May. Diamond has this to say: It's Samantha's turn with Chip, the dangerous alien, but. Everything starts to go wrong when she instigates a confrontation with her ex-boyfriend. Scared and angry, Samantha struggles with the decision to use Chip's powers for her own benefit. But not even she knows what the true consequences will be. So I had no interest in this. It was sort of flying under my radar. But then Noel had heard something about it. So he was like, "Let I want to read it. Give it to me. And then he said, we should read it for the show. And so I did. And this book was a surprise uh, hit with me. I, I'm really enjoying it. Noel, why don't you tell the people? Uh, yeah, so I had read um, I had read somewhere that uh, this is a series that people seem to be sleeping on because, honestly, if you just look at the cover or or I've seen the other covers, it seems like a Stranger Things style ripoff of just like, oh, teens get into precarious situations and there's an alien. Great. So it's like E.T., Stranger Things, whatever. But I heard that people were sleeping on it for a reason that nobody really wants to talk about or spoil. So I asked JD to score me the first two issues. I didn't read them. But then I saw that, you know, coming back to comics this week, the third one came out. So I was like, you know what, let me just let me just mainline these because figure out what's going on before it gets spoiled. This book is dope. This book is so good. It's uh, uh, I've never really been a fan of Simon Spurrier in so much as that everything I've read of his just wasn't didn't even seem like it was really for me like i could tell that this is well put together but i'm not his audience so like uh some of his constantine work uh his legion stuff from a couple years ago at marvel it was just stuff that i didn't really connect with so i never really read it he's just been that dude and i think he did some dr afra that i read but like he was writing it with uh, kieran gillen but then he took over and i fell off um this book is so incredibly dark mm. so these these three very troubled teens all, all named, named sam. sam yeah so samuel samir and samantha um stumble uh, upon can this I ask a question actually related to that is simon spurrier Cy spurrier yes cool that the name time seemed like a good time to ask that question <laughs> <laughs> yes he used to go by Cy spurrier cool um at least professionally right, right, right. uh but this book it's they both, all three of them have their own troubles and they stumbled upon this pod in the woods. The pod gives them all the ability to speak to each other telepathically. Mm -hmm. But the alien or foreign object or thing that it's connected to that gives them this ability, also your learning has other abilities or other ways of feeding and doing uh, not so awesome stuff. So it's these these disaffected youths for various reasons are slowly being given these very big powers and choices and they don't always make the right choice they sometimes make the horrible choice and this book doesn't pull punches at all yeah. it's really really good yeah i was really surprised at how much i like this uh, i'm a fan of teen dramas and stuff like this um but this 
is some next level team drama. It's a really yeah. interesting idea. Um, the three of them are in the woods on their way to school in the first issue, and they happen upon this pod, as you said. And then they're all they all have access to each other's minds. Um, and so they're dealing with a lot of their inner turmoil and the things that they're hiding from each other. And um, it's just really good. It's uh, I'm really enjoying it. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but I agree with Noah. I think this is fantastic. And the first three issues are definitely worth the checking out. Yeah, and it's a it's a six issue mini. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, and um, it's just it, I'm more and more every single day, Boom Studios just uh, – I'm starting to think that I'm just going to try and sample mm. Boom Studios stuff because it it's, it's, feels much more curated and much more intentional than a lot of the other publishers right now yeah. where it's just like that's popular, throw it out. They are doing cool things. So I just – I'm going to – I'm just going to follow them for a while. This is Yeah, great. Boom's a new image. Mm. Yeah. For mm. sure. I like the mini series thing. I find myself gravitating towards that more and more with new properties. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Spider Man is an ongoing, of course. But if it's if I'm getting into a new story, I kind of want there to be a limited amount. You know, like let's wrap it up. Give me a full tale rather than what I to read always. They're what's cool about them right now, though, is they're also. So you say you like the the collected edition, the the single story. They're treating their licensed properties that way too. Hmm. So the way that they're the way that they're treating like Power Rangers, it's these these like specific chunks, like <laughs> year one, year two, that have relatively good endings, like a season of television. So huh. they're even like modulating their licensed properties in ways that are digestible, and it's becoming incredibly popular for them. Yeah. Like I, I I really dig what they're doing as a as a publisher. That's an interesting strategy for them. Yeah. Tim Hershey, Tim from last week, uh, says, Boom deserves the effort because they are putting in the effort. Hmm. It's true. Um, anything else to say before we move on, Noel? Uh, I just want you guys to give it a shot. Let's talk about issue four all on the same page. This is a really, really good book. Yeah, agreed. Avengers number, nope, number 33. Avengers number 33 by Jason Aaron and Javier Garron. Uh, mummies are rising from their graves. Secret hmm. armies march by moonlight from Kaunlan to Wakanda to Greenwich Village. A dark god invades Asgard, and the Moon Knight has been unleashed as never before. So begins the Age of Khonshu. So fall the Avengers. Uh, I, I only dip in to um, the Avengers here and there. And so this is a perfect jumping on point if you're looking to get into Jason Aaron's Avengers, which Noel has been touting as a great run. Brian, did you read it? I did read it. Tell us about it. Uh, tell you about just the a little quick synopsis. No, I, tell us about the issue. Yes, uh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me about what Diamond has to say. Don't review that. What? Review the comic. No, a synopsis is the. <laughs> I the the question was, do we want a quick synopsis? And before we get into it, I was wondering oh. what you before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, but <laughs> you know, we'll pick it up as we go along. <laughs> so uh, I like Moon Knight I've always thought he was a cool you know like out of the way Marvel character uh, you know I, I like Egypt stuff and Moon stuff he's got it all so uh, <laughs> he's got moons. he's got Egypt he's got muscles he's got exactly. dressed all in white and it's pretty cool uh, so yeah so I was like him I'm intrigued by this story I feel like I have just read something like this and I can't figure out exactly what it is, 
but a story of somebody going and collecting all of these pieces. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the JLA Avengers thing that we read a little while ago, mm -hmm. um, which isn't necessarily a fault of this book. I just found myself like, ah, it's another one of those. Uh, and why is he taking it from yeah. Stephen Strange? What is he taking from Stephen Strange? <laughs> the Sorcerer Supreme ship? <laughs> yep. It's unusual. It, it, just, it seemed like he sucked the magic out of him. I guess like he so. Just, he took an Orangina straw and just popped it into an... Orangina. Yeah, like everybody's everybody's like power or essence is in that is in a new onk. So he just keeps getting like more yeah. bling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed he he ups his onks. Uh and I like how he changes how he changes his outfit too as it mm -hmm. as it continues. There's well, like he throws in these statements like the biggest supermoon in a million years, or he calls in all of the moons of the galaxy for Thor. But there's like seven. Like where would they fit even? But uh, <laughs> I did. I did. Oh, sorry. I was going to say the. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, when stuff like that happens in comics, it's hard for me to not consider um, the repercussions of bringing all of those moons into <laughs> the science orbit. of it. Yeah. 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 And, what that would do to the earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tides. It's fine. Yeah. Tides. Yeah, um, I was going to give credit to the art. I love the art in this. I, I'm, I'm not too super familiar with um, Gar Garon. Garon? Uh, Javier Garon. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've seen him, but I just don't really think about him. I do love how they did that. So Moon Knight is a notoriously uh, dissociated personality disorder um, character. So every... Avenger that he takes down is a different outfit or a different version of Moon Knight. So you've got like the Kunlun Ninja Moon Knight. Uh, Doctor Strange gets the full white suit, cool Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like Mr. Knight. Yeah. yeah, these are these are just really really cool little little nuggets of like fun. And uh, one of the things that one of the one of the things that we read that was like this recently too was Captain Marvel, where she had to take out each Avenger. Yeah, to get the power for. Her. Hmm. Well, she had to straight up murder each Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> but it is—it is a very common trope. It's really just like enjoying the ride or not. Hmm. Yeah. And this is my first time, um, kind of being actively involved in Moon Knight. I've tried mm -hmm. here and there. I've dipped my toe into the Moon Knight pool here and there, and I just—it never really sticks with me. Um, so I like that Jason Aaron, a writer that I really respect and enjoy, is taking some time to delve into this character because this might be my in for him. Um, yeah, and I, uh, except for the Warren Ellis one, that was great. There's a yeah, nice there little. If anybody out there wants to read just a little nugget of Moon Knight and you're curious about the character, there's one trade paperback that's only four or five issues long. Six, oh, is it six? Yeah, yeah. Oh, snap. Uh, written by Warren Ellis. And I believe each of the issues in that trade paperback are a different personality of Moon Knight. Yeah, it's Declan Shalvey, I think, yeah. is the artist. Yep. And it's just each one's a different, like, mm. short story. It's not unlike what Warren Ellis did for... Secret Avengers, except that had different artists. Like he had a six-issue run of a single mission, every single issue, and it was a different cool. artist. So it was like Jamie McKelvey, Declan Shalvey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I've only read Moonlight here and there, like uh, the Bendis run, which was just like twelve issues, one and done stuff. It was it was fun. Uh, that, and um, I have the Jeff Lemire, Christopher Smallwood stuff, oh. but I haven't read it yet. 
I hear oh, it's I great. Love, I love Smallwood. Greg, Greg yeah. Smallwood's great. Oh, Greg, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I have it. I just haven't read it yet because of the art was beautiful and Jeff Lemire's like, okay. I, I sometimes love his stuff, sometimes don't yeah. care. So who is anybody here a Thor expert? Yeah, what do you need to know? Well, I mean, there's a whole thing in here where uh, Moon Knight yeah. um, reveals something about Thor's hammer Mjolnir, um, which, and it's made out of Uru, which I've never really known what that is actually meant. Um, and so it's revealed that his hammer is actually made of moon rock, which is a, but a moon that existed before our moon. Right. right? Like moon metal. Yeah, like that it is the, well, a quick backstory, Uru, when Stanley and Jack Kirby were writing it, they called it the the Uru Hammer, right? And then they found out that it already had a name, Mjolnir, like Thor's Hammer is called Mjolnir. And so they're like, aha, Uru was the metal. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like, that's a Marvel Comics original thing, just because yeah. they were like him. So... Yeah, I don't think that's ever been in there before. That seemed a little like, you know how comics are always adding a twist to the backstory? Yeah. It kind of yeah. seems like, I don't know, uh, a little a little eh. Like, it felt a little eh because it's like, well, we've got Moon Knight. We need Moon Knight right. to take down Thor. What can we right. change about Thor so that Moon Knight's able well, to take down Thor? And I mean, does Moon Knight have the story authority to do that? You know what I mean? Like, well, can I recontextualize Thor? <laughs> I don't think they change anything really about Thor. They just give a comic booky hooey explanation of where Uru comes from, which is fine. It's a, a celestial a moon rock. Moon. Yeah. yeah. And if anybody's going to do it, it makes sense that it'd be Jason Aaron, who just came off of a long run of Thor. Yeah. So why not he bring in some of that history? I mean, even if it, even if it was total BS. It sounded plausible, so I was like, "Okay, I'll go with it." Yeah, yeah. It, it was just enough for me to go, "Hey, that feels." Because also, if you remember, Jason Aaron had done an entire issue during his run on Thor um, about the storm that exists within Mjolnir and how mm. it is this sentient storm, um, which I don't remember ever since Thor rebuilt his hammer from Yaz Yaz Yazdril. Yidrazel, um, is it's not the same hammer? Is the same? Does anyone know? Is that the same storm in Mjolnir that was in it before his hammer I, got destroyed? So. Technically, yes, because it was that one single piece of Uru from the original Mjolnir left that he left in the sun to grow with Yidrazel as it was growing back in the sun. That's that's like that was like a big turning point in War of the Realms. So okay. it should still be the same hammer. It's just reconstituted itself well, just in the heart of like it. I knew it's the same metal, but I wasn't sure if, if that also garnered all of that storm energy. The, the original. Hmm. So I like to think it, he was. it's like the T-1000. Just one piece of it has all of it in it. And then gotcha. it just brings itself back together. Sure. So I, I hope it's the same storm. I think it's the same storm because it follows the same rules. I'm going to read some of the comments. Uh, Hal2814 says, Morning, guys. It's your boy Charles in Chattanooga. I need a good distraction from everything that's been going on the last couple of days. Uh, and love the Mohawk, JD. Thank you so much. Uh, Tim says, I agree with Hal2814. Need this escape. Thanks, guys. And then he continues, Uru was originally native to... Nidavalir. Nidavalir, one of the nine realms. It's a stone mineral 
sort of thing that has some cool, almost sciency properties. So that doesn't that doesn't mean that it couldn't have been from a dead moon or a moon that was destroyed at some point. Well, it the thing that he says, he describes it as like you've always heard that it was from the metal, the rubble of creation and a vestige from before the great splintering. I don't know, the multiverse or something. And then but no. Bang? It was the very first orb of the night. Oh, maybe the Big Bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think what what got me what what uh, made me think of it as eh was that it was it's a comic-y explanation for something that we already have a comic-y explanation for. So it's not that the explanation is is odd to me. Like that tracks. It's just like I don't know. Does it? Uh, can you fit Thor into this moon thing appropriately? Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think it's the kind of explanation that lays on top of the other one without negating it it's it yeah. wasn't a you always thought the wrong thing it was just you hmm, didn't right. have the whole truth yeah so I'm, just fyi the, it was actually a moon yeah oh, same, same I mean, the, yeah totally yeah 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 the necro sword and now it's relation to venom i'm like Look at this nonsense. Those two things that's nonsense yeah all the moons get the get out of here yeah maybe they're just moons in his head. from galaxies away that's a lot of moons, you guys. Moons. <laughs> There's gonna be tons of flooding. It's not cool. Oh, also, did you, did you like it, man? Props to this dude, Conchu. Oh, Conchu. I love that that bird head. Yeah, Lynn, what'd you think, bud? I liked it for the most part. I mean, um, I get t sick and tired of, you know. Um, two white guys coming off like the masters of martial arts. Uh, in the beginning where he's Ooh. fighting Iron Fist. So, <laughs> so that kind of like, that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um, I liked the depiction of it. It was kind of cool with, you know, the 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 labeling of each each strike and everything like that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm always here for a Iron Fist takedown, but <laughs> uh, but that was rubbing me the wrong way. I was like, did I stumble into the right book? Is this... Is, I had to look back at the cover. Is this the Avengers that I'm supposed to be reading? Um, and then it quickly cuts to Doctor Strange. And like you said, I didn't understand what the hell was happening with Doctor Strange. You know, why can he... But then I realized, oh, he's getting, I guess, either the power or the actual eye of Agamotto, where when he comes up against Black Panther... He can't take what's in Black Panther because it's in his blood. So you've got to yeah. take me. That and was I great. Actually, and I actually liked there because it was it was all the Panther that you needed because Black Panther was just like, you know what? All right, I surrender because <laughs> you got to take me, bro. I've also, already sussed out what's happening. You know what the, I mean? He's the. I was gonna say he's the smartest character in this whole entire book. He's just like, he's you know what playing four D chess when uh, mm -hmm. everyone else is playing checkers. He's just like, I know where you're going with this. Just <laughs> you know you got to take me, and just know that I probably have an idea as how to stop it. So let's go. Let's just let's go. Let's, let's yeah. go. I've already seen. I'm I'm 20 moves ahead of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, so for the most part, I I dug it. I. I'm an old school Moon Knight fan. I used to read mm. Moon Knight when I think it was Doug Monk and Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, I mean, this is definitely 70s, 80s stuff. Um, not Doug Monkey, the artist. Oh, not Doug, Doug Monkey. Doug Doug Munch, the the writer. 
it's spelled uh, like M-O-E-N-C-H yeah. though. Yeah. Right, exactly. He worked yeah. with Kelly Jones a lot, right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, I think they're they're collecting that in an omnibus like early next year. Like that early they Moon Knight. Should. Oh my god, well, it's some beautiful stuff. Yeah, Moon Knight Moon Knight's kind of uh I mean, if it wasn't for the world stopping through this pandemic, Moon Knight the TV series for Disney Plus would probably start filming very soon. I forgot about. So that. I think, so I think it's they're trying to, yeah, you know, do something with them, work them, yeah, yeah. So I, I liked it for the most part. It was cool. It was cool. It was great. And like you said, um, no, I'm not familiar with the artist, but this was some really great art. No matter how bad shit crazy it was, <laughs> there's throwing moons at, at Thor. Um, it was still kind of it was still kind of cool, and I also like I liked that everybody seemed to have like they they spoke in their own voice. Like I like that Thor was like, "No, nah, I'll handle this." Like, yeah, I'm on my way to y'all, but wait a minute, I see the problem right here. I think I can take this dude. So like, yo, yo, yo I hear you, Captain. Like, get out my ear. I'm gonna handle this and take care of this light work real quick. And then he gets thumped with moons. I mean, who sees that coming? You know. Um, I mean, they're very big. They shouldn't have snuck up on him. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. They're very large moons. Also, too, they're I, in I dig, every direction as well. Yeah, <laughs> I dig that T'Challa always calls uh, Cap Stephen. Yeah, that's true. Stephen. That's always fun. Like he always gets his proper name. <laughs> uh, Tim says. We've done this for decades, though. Let's tweak this common knowledge, quote unquote. Plus, technically, we are in a new iteration of the Marvel Universe. Is that is he talking about because of Secret Wars? Yeah, post-Secret Wars, everything was rebuilt or merged. So, yeah. And then original Moon Knight is some of my favorite stuff. I don't think he's being an original Moon Knight because original Moon Knight dates back to, um, well, he may. Because he likes this type of stuff. Like I think it was Werewolf, <laughs> Werewolf by Night yeah. Yeah, that yeah. he was introduced in. What? Um, yeah, that's that. what. It... This Mark Spector, like the superhero. He wasn't a hero. He was like yeah. an assassin, I think. Right? Okay. Yeah, um, something like that. Moon Knight is a fictional superhero appearing in American comics, published in Marvel Comics, created by Doug Monk and Don huh? Perlin. The character first appeared in Werewolf by Night number thirty-two in huh. nineteen seventy-five. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That that's original Moon. Uh, Moon Knight. Yeah, I don't know. I can't tell. Uh, I don't think Tim is a werewolf by night reader. Yeah, there we go. Oh. Yeah, see, I told you. I said Tim. Goes. Tim yeah. might. Tim might like the original. He might meet the original. Yeah, yeah. Huh. He's born in werewolf by night number thirty-two. Born born in Chicago, Illinois. Mark Spector is a Jewish American rabbi's wayward son. Oh, yeah. oh how about that? Boxer, Actually, I knew U.S. That. Marine, I knew again. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't until he got his the own had, uh, his own mini series, his own series that they really fleshed out and he became more hmm. heroic. Hmm. I would read I would read this, this first chapter. Yeah, I, I would like to revisit that or I mean visit it to begin with. Um Len, <laughs> about the character, is the uh DID something that has grown with the character? Like they, they did that later on, or did he always have this sort of like uh personality disorder? No, he had it back then. It wasn't oh. They didn't uh, depict it as, as much of a disorder as opposed to it was just something that he did. You know what I mean? That he had like these different, you know, identities of a sort. He had almost, I forget which one. There was one that was almost like a Bruce Wayne. There was one who was um, more like just a, a, you know, a common man. I think he actually 
drove a taxi. Um, he was a cab driver or something like that. Oh, yeah, that sounds oh, familiar, actually. Okay, here. I Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, it seems as though it's like he had all these identities, but the DID is something that I think was layered on after exactly. the Exactly. So getting the power of Khonshu and being resurrected, he is given riches. So he goes back to the States, invests all the money, becomes a millionaire entrepreneur, the identity of which he creates of Stephen Grant. That's using right. this identity to purchase spacious estates, um, to remain in contact with street-level criminal elements, he create he also creates the identity of taxicab driver Jake Lockley. So mm-hmm. he is Mark Spector. He creates these two other identities for, you know, vigilante purposes. And it seems as though, like later on down the road, it becomes mm-hmm. an issue or it right. manifests as an issue. Interesting. Yeah, that he can't like discern which. Which yeah. identity and it starts gets layered and yeah kind of a shadow thing too you know like like how shadow created lamont cranston it was mm-hmm. revealed and he also had a network of like he wasn't a taxi driver himself but it was right. like he was plugged into that kind of thing yeah. tim says it was a choice as opposed to a disorder almost disguises yeah mm-hmm. yeah probably exactly. was the street level taxi driver or lockley um and he says the disorder was a recent thing Hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Thanks, guys. Um, but yeah, I like that. Um, I like when a, a writer is working on a team book like this and takes time to give each of the characters their own main thrust of a story. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to reading more of this. This is really good. Hmm. Um, let's see. Basket Full of Heads by Joe Hill and art by Leo Max. It's time for a final swing of the axe. In the darkest, coldest hours of the night, June Branch finds herself up against the dead-eyed killer who abducted her lover and comes face-to-face with some truths even more terrifying than a basket full of heads. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Joe Hill is a horror writer. He is Stephen King's son. He's one of my favorite novelists. And he has been writing comics for over a decade. He start, I don't know if he started, but uh, I think his biggest one was Lock and Key. He's also written a couple of things with his, his dad. And recently, last year, DC Comics gave Joe Hill his own horror imprint called Hill House. So he's curating these horror comic book series from DC under the Black Label imprint. And uh, basically, it's because he grew up loving the old EC horror comics, like Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that. So he's not writing all of the series but he is writing a handful of them and he's given uh, other series to different creators like um, Carmen Maria Machado, who did her, I believe it was called her body and other parties, which is sort of a feminist horror novel. That was really good. And she's yeah. Lolo woods. And then there's the dollhouse family, Brian, which you and I were reading. I like that. Mike, yeah. Mike Carey and Peter gross. Thank you. Yeah. And so here we have uh, Joe Hill's creator owned, seven-issue miniseries, Basketful of Heads, which starts off as a home invasion story. Uh, You know, three uh, escaped convicts show up and uh, start to cause havoc in this home, and the main character finds an ancient axe, which has a superpower, if you will, that if she chops off someone's head with it, the head remains alive. And so she's carrying around the heads of these home invaders, while also trying to track down her uh, boyfriend, the the sheriff's deputy who has been kidnapped, and sort of also solve a mystery that's going on. And this is just a 
gaggle of good times. I, I really like this book. This is really, really fun. If you're a horror fan, I highly recommend it. It's got a grindhouse sort of feel to it. There's a little bit of comedy to it, but it's also pretty gruesome. Can't recommend this book highly enough if you're a horror fan. Who, uh, Noel, what'd you think? Um, well, you guys know me. I love horror comics. It's the thing I love the most, <laughs> more than any other genre in the world. Uh, being able to put the tension and humor and emotion required for horror to work is the easiest thing to translate in a comic book page, and I can't get enough of it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't like horror comics that much, um, only because I need to absorb them in fuller pieces than just one chapter. Like, usually with all of these Hill House books, too, the first issue has been, like, maybe a cold open that doesn't even introduce what we're supposed to be um, anxious about in a horror for it to work. So I haven't really dug with any of these, but based off of JD's recommendation, I went back and I read all seven of these this weekend. And it, um, he's right. It's, it's fucking great. Like this book is great. Um, it reads like, it reads like an amazing extended episode of tales from the crypt. When you said that, when you told me that, I was like, oh, that's perfect. It's exactly what it is. It starts in like a regular world. There's something crazy introduced, but the regular world part of the story is still just as important as the crazy stuff. Um, the horror elements are almost just, um, they're almost like environmental issues for the story that is actually the pedestrian mystery. So like the thrust of the book is always this home invasion that, unravels into a larger mystery and or unravels a larger mystery and then trying to save her her boyfriend that never changes but these horror elements start to tr like derail it but she stays like on path it's almost as if the genre is the genre of it is just ancillary like um not unlike how Shaun of the dead is a horror movie but really it's a comedy mm -hmm. It's a comedy that just takes its horror elements seriously, mm. which this kind of does. Like this is almost like a noirish, stark comedy about a home invasion that takes seriously these weird ass horror elements. It was this was great. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I would totally wow. recommend somebody picking this up. And one of the variant covers was a Becky Cloonan cover, which always always tickles me. I love her. She's one of my favorites. However. The image on the axe is not the correct image. Mm. It's also a lot smaller. She did not get the axe correct. The rest of the book, the rest of the, the image is great, and the book is fantastic. Did anybody else read it besides Noel and I? Uh, no. Uh, That's fine. Yeah. You, uh, it's great. Yeah, I mean. I did not read it. Okay. Um, well, I think, you know, we told the people we're good. Let's move on. But it sounds mm -hmm. fun, and it I want to fun. read it. Collect it. Seven issues. Do all we done. have to move on? Y yes. Yeah. Was that a question? Huh? <laughs> he likes he likes to mess up anytime I'm trying to move on to something. He likes to interrupt that. Uh, thunder rounds are next. Thunder round. That's right. No, uh, no. Brian, what is a thunder round? Oh, Thunder Round is when one person alone talks about one comic for uh, one minute, and yeah. uh, and then it's done, and you can't talk anymore, and no one else can talk about the book. That's right. Uh, and every every copy of the book disappears from yeah. the place, face of the planet. 
Yeah. Never on camera, yeah. set fire to the issue of the comic, which Terrible. is a ritual yeah. that disappears it from everywhere else. It's a whole yeah. black magic I don't know thing. Why we do that? I mean, we could just let them exist, but we do it. No, don't you understand when somebody disagrees with you about comic books, it disappears anything that happened with comic books beforehand? That's right. And anytime they make a change to any character, all of the previous comics disappear. That's why everyone in CG is right. Uh, Thunder Round for Noel. You're up first with... um, Uh, so, no, you're up first with Amazing Spider-Man number 43 by Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley. There are 60 seconds on your clock. Go. So I had fallen off of um, Amazing Spider-Man back with the 2099 crossover and thought I was better for it because the I wasn't enjoying the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to give these three issues a shot, three issues of this arc, because they're all drawn by Ryan Otley, and I wanted to revisit the book. These are adorable. Essentially... Um, Boomerang and Spider-Man are are searching for some deus ex machina life-affirming token thing that uh, also Kingpin is looking for. However, it is uh, being guarded by Gog, which is this old-school giant monster from deep, deep in Marvel continuity or Spider-Man continuity. Hmm. Issue 42 is a almost silent issue of Gog's story that makes you care about him and are sad for him and everything. And then issue 43 is Spider-Man trying to defeat him without hurting him. Have you done? Oh, it's so it's, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Oh, end of round. This felt more like invincible than anything else. That's that I've read in a long time. These well, two actually issues. I was thinking that too, because th- there is a, what was his name? Stegron or something. There was some invincible character that was a dinosaur who wiped out an entire city. So Vegas. he was a villain, but what? Oh yeah. 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 I think it's like dinosaur man or something like that. Yeah. It was and, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas. And then um, after a while, he actually convinces invincible to join him and all the other heroes are like, He's a mass murderer. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Very, I love that. If you haven't read Invincible, guys, from um, Robert, Kirk. Invincible. Robert Kirkman. Robert. Man, what a what a great uh, comic series that is both gruesome and earnest at the same time and yeah. deals with a lot of gray areas that a lot of superhero comics don't. Highly recommended. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting one of the issues to be a, a, just about a poor monster in another world and how he got to... Like it was almost like a cut scene that was incredibly effective and emotional. Like imagine a puppy being lost, but then ended up becoming a monster. Hmm. It's 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 it was really good. I'm I'm actually really pleased. You guys should try it. Awesome. Just you um, can read just forty one to forty three. Don't worry about anything. I, and I know uh, Noel had, had sort of dropped off on Spider Man and wasn't enjoying it, but I've really been digging his run this entire time. There's, you know, peaks and valleys, of course. I think the 2099 stuff really wasn't hitting. Um, but there's a lot of really good stuff in his run. I'm really enjoying it. Um, who's up next for a Thunder Round? It is I, Thunder Round. There it is. Uh, Birds of Prey, Sirens of Justice, which is a digital first issue from DC Comics, written by Gail Simone, with art by Inaka Miranda. 60 seconds on your clock, go. Uh, so I'm a big Gail Simone fan, so this and the Flash story last week I was looking forward to. Uh, I think it's hampered a little bit by the digital first mm-hmm. format. Well, really, just the length and and not being in a continuity, really. Um, 
But it was a cool story. It was a fun, like, uh, the Birds of Prey think poorly about Poison Ivy, but it turns out that um, uh, she was on the side of good, you know, just trying to help some plants. And, uh, you know, so I, at first I was like, ah, Ivy's a villain. I like where they were going with her being good. And then she's good. And uh, I'll tell you, this is not just this book. I miss Harley Quinn's old costume. Or just something more like that than the kind of vaguely two-color, you know. Uh, I think w w maybe it was her costume in uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse that was pretty good. I forget. No, I don't think so. Ah! Anyway, end of round. round. Did, you, did anyone else read that? Like yeah. Yeah, um, the thing that I took away from this is the same thing I'm taking away from all of the digital first things. I don't know if it's a mandate from DC or what, but there seems to be a thematic thing happening where all of the dialogue seems very Silver Agey, and all of the books are written for first-time readers, I think. Yeah, it's very all-ages kind of feel. Would you... I would you, I, oh, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, um, oh. but I, I think it, it's in a detriment. So you've got... I, I didn't like this at all. Like it felt, um, it felt like it was free in a cereal box. It didn't feel all ages. It felt dumb. Oh, JD, actually, I have a question for you. Is there anywhere that uh, listeners could uh, give you patronage? Like if they're enjoying the show, is there any way for them to express that with money? Oh my God. Do you mean patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo? You know, I, the, the, it sounds like that could fit the bill. That's exactly it. Yeah. You okay, can you cool. can go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo to help the show out. Um, buy us microphones, hmm. stuff like that. Pay for this website we're using, StreamYard. Um, that would be great. Thank you so much, Brian, for bringing that up. You could also help out my comic shop, JD's Hero Complex shop, where I'm posting uh, all of the stuff I have on there, uh, trade paperbacks, as well as my Yoda t-shirt that I just did. So thanks. I appreciate that. You know what? It's time for another Thunder Round. Well, I will actually keep this very short. Okay. Um, so this is Rogue Planet by... Cullen Bunn and Andy McDonald. Great. 60 seconds, go. Uh, the first six pages of this issue are fantastic. It is a alien and his son looking at like an obelisk of weird shapes, uh, talking about the heavens and gods. And then the alien father sacrifices his son and throws him on the pyre for so it's like this weird like science fiction and religion creepiness and then after six pages uh the humans start talking and it becomes the stupidest book i've ever read <laughs> <laughs> this is the most cliched written hoo-ha with great design i've ever like come across it's everyone is a straight up caricature and boring as hell to read and then when shit goes bad, it's every single cliched line in the book thrown at each other like, we've cost too much money to get here. We can't go back now. Uh, but something about salvaging vessels. And then when giant, nasty lungs aliens show up, they're all like, no one makes a facial expression. It's awful. Um, Justice League number 45, written by Robert Venditti and Eddie Barrows. The spirit of vengeance goes global. After spending untold time in isolation, the specter is back, and his thirst for retribution will ripple across the earth. As old wounds are reopened under the specter's unstoppable influence, it's up to the Justice League to stop the conflict. But how can they act on a global stage when they must first contend with their own resentments? I didn't read it. Who read it? I read it. Brian, go. 
so I liked it. I the last issue I was not really that into. It didn't give me a lot to grab on to. And so I I was hoping to like this because it's the Justice League, but I knew what the last issue was all about. And so I wasn't really as into it. Um, then I heard that the Spectre was involved and I thought that was cool. So as I was reading it, I enjoyed it. I had fun. Um, you know, the League fights each other in the beginning, be, which is kind of eh, but then the reasoning was cool. The Spectre has become untethered from Jim Corrigan, so it's like all unfocused, which is classic Spectre lore. And uh, it turns out it was trying to get a message to the Justice League rather than screw with them. Huh. And uh, yeah, and you, you get the the reason why the Themyscarans, you know, are involved. Um is because Jim Corrigan has gone to their entrance to Tartarus, the the Greek underworld or part of the Greek underworld, uh, uh, where the um, who are those guys? The Titans are imprisoned, mm-hmm. and so he he goes in there because he's tired of being the Spectre. It's been so long, and he's seen so much vengeance and blood that he's like, I'm done with this. So he goes into this place that he can't get out of, but the Spectre kind of gets out and. Uh, you know, the Spectre is the spirit of vengeance of God, and God is not happy that Jim Corrigan has quit. Um, and then yeah. they wound up on Themyscira at the end, and Diana has a little bit of, she's like, you know, the Amazonians have taken out a lot worse than you guys. And they're like, what do you mean us guys? You're one of us. Also, this is the Justice League we're talking about, have they? Yeah. But it was good. It was the fine. thing I like is Batman's winter coat. That's yeah. what I'm about to say. I'm here just for Batman with the coat. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, the, uh, it's what they're wearing in in Antarctica these days. You know, he's always on. Yeah, board. Oh, it's cool. yeah well, he's the ultimate pop collar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I read, I read these, I read these two issues. It was fine. Like it was just, it was like a one really good idea, and then like in between a bunch of stuff for two issues. Like I really like the idea with the Spectre, like you said, the idea that like this. This entity, like the the tether of the entity, tries to hide himself. God doesn't like it. The entity gets out to send a message, like you got to go get this guy because it's worse if mm. he is untethered. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to essentially travel into hell to save Corrigan, who put himself there on purpose, only to curse him further with the specter. So it's a cool idea, but I, I don't know. I struggled through forty four, and then yeah. The first half of 45 was just like, cool. They're all jealous of each other and they're all fighting. It wasn't until the end of these two issues that it was like, oh, cool. Okay, this is fine. So I don't know. It's just like it's a lot of, for me, it's a lot of effort for a chunk or two of like a good idea. The balance is off. I think you would have been well served to have read 44 a while ago like I did and get it out of your mind. And then this one, like, yeah, this is better when you forget things. Yeah, or just you're not like (laughs) trying to get all the way through it at once. And then you're like, ah, this will be all right. And then you get this story. <laughs> it was fun. It was silly fun. I mean, it's, first of all, I will say the art is amazing. I, I enjoy the mm-hmm. art a great deal. On Eddie Barrows book. is good. Eddie Barrows is phenomenal. Um, his his character designs, they all felt like in character, um, strong, but not too crazy. Um, and so I, I enjoyed that. Again, this was another book where I wasn't sure where we are in the timeline of the universe yeah. because it was speaks to the Amazons not really having a lot of experience with man and yet 
you know, depending on when you're picking up a, a comic book, they've dealt with men a lot. So you don't know, like, all right, have they not seen men? Are they friends with the Justice League? Are they not friends with the Justice League? What's going on? So that was a little you know, a, a little bit of a, like, all right, I'm trying to figure where are we on the Wonder Woman and Justice League timeline thing, but if I took my hat off, I was like, all right, I'm just going to roll with it, and I'm a fan of the Spectre. I'm cool that they're doing something different with the Spectre, at least seemingly something different. I don't know if the Spectre or the this iteration of the universe has been around enough that I can feel Corrigan's wariness of wearing the Spectre right mm. now because I so you know it's not too long ago at least in my mind that both Green Lantern was the Spectre and then there was um, Hardback Box right right oh, oh, been, sorry. Uh, no 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 it was uh, what's his name from um, Chris, uh, Christopher what was his name Chris Chris cool. yeah Crispin Glover Crispin Glover I think it was transcend into the comics world yeah yeah, no. The, no. Uh, <laughs> he is he is the caricature of a human. So <laughs> it was the 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 gentleman the, the detective from um Yeah. Oh, I thought that was so cool. How they uh, Crispus, right? Crispus. Crispus. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say Crispus Addicts cuz I know that it was a play on that, but I don't Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Allen. Crispus Allen. I don't there think you it go. Was Crispus. Oh, whatever. Right. He was the specter. <laughs> he was the specter. And that wasn't too long ago for me in my head. So, so, so that was a, 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 um, a little bit of a disconnect for me. But for the most part, the art won me over. So I was like, all right. And Batman had on, on the trench. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with it. Yo, this Alan, yeah. is this Spectre page. This never works. I don't know why I still try to. There you can, you can kind of see it. <laughs> There's a um, fun, fun fact. There is a detective character in Jimmy Olsen who looks like Crispus Allen and his name is detective Jim Corrigan. And as a joke in the book, they're like, not that Jim Corrigan. <laughs> wow. Very funny. Also, they don't seem to know the specter is another, you know, Batman's like, I've, I've, I know this guy. I've dealt with him a bunch of times, but nobody else knows him again. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't know where I am on the, on the yeah. universe tale. This is this well, is I'll tell you where we are. You announced your identity to the world, Clark. You put people in danger. You put the Justice League in danger. So it's current because everyone knows that Clark is soups. Right. Right. I know that, but like, how, I would have yeah. thought so, that they would have, the Spectre's been around for a minute. You know what I mean? So at least, so like, I mean, conservatively, we're saying at least since Rebirth, but most likely since New 52. They yeah. have, most of these characters have come across the Spectre and or worked with, like worked with or against, like right. in every single effing event. Like, wasn't he in right. and Dark Side War or Trinity War when they dealt with the Spectre and the Phantom Stranger and Pandora mm-hmm. and stuff? Like, yeah, this. So yeah. Oh, that was at a different. This is set before the last Justice League run, right? Which is weird. No. It, it can't be because they're making <laughs> reference. So, like, this is a problem I had right. with. Issue 41, right? Or issue 40. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah. they were making reference, they were like, oh, it happens before this because everything matters. And <laughs> right. But they were making reference to a lot of things like uh, Alfred being dead, uh, Superman revealing his identity. Like, right. yeah. It's, it, I'd be just you know, as happy if it was afterwards. Like, you know, that last issue of the Snyder run, I was, oh, I was not feeling it. But this, I like. You know, this is 
the, especially the last story with the Daxamite. I dug that. Uh, let's move on to Marauders number 10, uh, the X book that came out this week by Jerry Duggan and Stefano Caselli. The Marauders set their sights on the power dampening technology that seems to have made its way into far too many hands, most notably the Russian army. The Hellfire's wrath will be swift and harsh. This book was great. It's my favorite X-Men book. Uh, it's it's This is knocking it out of the park. This is the most consistently awesome X-Men book, in my opinion. Highly recommend it. There's a lot of great um, bits in this book that actually made me kind of laugh. Uh, yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, I also like they're making whiskey on the island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Kind of fun. Uh, I've never seen this woman. I think she's one of the five. She's one of the five. Yeah, she yeah. ages. She ages the eggs up to when they died, or or like a prime age. That's why they're able to be reborn, fully fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a, and also Stefan Caselli. I really love his art. This is a really good looking book. Um, spoiler alert! I'm sad about Kitty Pride. Kate Pride is dead supposedly we'll see but they seem to be going that route which bums me out because she is my all-time favorite character in this entire story she's the only one i'm super emotionally attached to yeah. there's there's got to be more to it though like it's the even if i you guys don't skip the letters pages right or the indicia the 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 news or the letters or the descriptions yeah you guys don't skip those right often i don't skip these time. but i don't read the letter pages I, those those are pagers of letters from yeah. her to. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I don't skip them. Um, they're still playing up the mystery as to why Kitty can't, you know, commune or, or function in Krakoa. So that wouldn't still be being. That wouldn't still be happening if the story's over with her dead. So, I, comics, it sucks yeah. that they're killing her, but they're not killing her. No. What they were doing with her is just so much fun, though. That yeah. it's like, oh, I hope that they're not already done with that. And you know what this uh, is feeling like? This is feeling like when they killed Captain America nah. and they kept him dead for like 12 issues, and the book became an ensemble book, and you started to love Bucky and, and, uh, and Falcon more, and you started to pay more attention to Agent 13. So it's like they're taking the, uh, ensemble cast of the book and kind of creating something hmm. it's instead of it being her at the center her absence is the center of this book now which is just awesome hmm. like it makes it more it just makes it really appealing like this is a great book and i i kind of dig uh bishop embracing red getting yeah. haircut finally embraced the red he it's was cool totally look. he was yeah. totally against it yeah. oh yeah the um yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite bit in the book because it's the first time, at least in my memory, that they actually explain the White Queen actually explains mm. her 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 modus operandi, exactly yeah. why she does what she does, why she wears what she wears. It it, it and it perfectly explained because it it caught me because there's the scene where it's a close up of her like her lips and and her upper torso at the bottom of the page. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting panel layout. You know, thinking I'm thinking it's a little gratuitous. But it, it's immediately explained, and I'm like, wow! Like, 
that was perfect. That was perfect storytelling. And mm-hmm. it's not as big as JD has just blown it up to be, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it actually is a lot, it's a lot more. It's not – because that would be gratuitous. Yeah. But that <laughs> – Just but, one uh, page splash and just – Exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was perfectly done. I, I That was my favorite bit of, bit of the book. And it made her – that. Uh, her character actually, for the first time, make total sense to yeah. me. I really enjoy. I really enjoyed this book. It was a, lo- it was a lot. Of fun. I, that's such. I, I don't think that's ever been mentioned before, too. Like in the history of the character, there's something that's that's so awesome that Jerry Duggan jumped on the fact that she will wear revealing things or reveal herself more to align the thoughts of the people in front of her, so she can mm-hmm. better control them. So, oh, like, if they about my boobs, now I can yeah. make them shoot each other. Yeah, yeah, all at once as opposed to, you know, multitasking all these things. Just yeah, grab yeah. all attention on one thing. And I thought about it too. It's just like, oh, what if they're not all heterosexual? It's just like, no, but you're still seeing boobs. It's still it's still eye-catching and you're still paying attention to just that. Hmm. So it just it gets you all. It was just It's such a cool yeah. idea. I thought yeah, that was great. It, it was a nice little character moment. It made me laugh. It was really good. Um, also, I like the running gag of people going, where the hell did the X-Men get a UFO? We'll tell you later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yo, should those should those sailors be surprised that there is an iceberg in a near the equator at this point in the Marvel universe? Should, shouldn't they be like, oh, this kind of thing happens. We should probably turn around. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Oh, I like Storm's. I hadn't noticed this before. I, they probably didn't change the design, but I like her headpiece is I hadn't noticed how it's kind of a callback to her classic, like, over-the-head thing. I'm sorry, who are we talking about? Storm. Storm. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Where is it? I don't see it. It is when they're the at the, the whiskey place, you get a good the whiskey You place. can see it on the cover, too. Just her, her headpiece on the cover. It's like a headband that is reminiscent of her original headpiece. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Todd Engel says... My LCS didn't have Marauders. Maybe they were just sold out. Maybe. Uh, If you need a copy, hit me up. I might be able to mail you out a copy, bud. Um, So, yeah, this this is great. I'm glad that this book is back. I'm very excited to keep reading it. I'm also very excited to keep reading Suicide Squad number five by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. They they say loose loose lips sink ships and Captain Boomerang has the biggest mouth on Earth. That's why Locke commands Task Force X. Task, I can never say this. Task Force X to bring him in and shut him up for good. The hunt is on, but nothing ever goes according to plan in the Suicide Squad. At least, not if Osita and her mutinous revolutionaries can help it. Will Deathstroke and Harley Quinn turn against Locke when ordered to kill their old squad mate? One way or other, the bodies keep dropping. Oh, who's who's up to date? Who's, who's read it? Everyone's read it. I read it. Just not, um, I only I, I didn't I didn't read it. I, I did thumb through it though. It's a lot of fun. It looks like I, a lot of fun. I was gonna say I don't want to like super spoil it because I accidentally spoiled it for JD thinking that he had read issue five. Hmm. Um, this book is like a masterclass in escalation. <laughs> <laughs> like from issue three to five is just a, another piece of escalation, escalation to the point where you're just like, okay, this couldn't go anywhere. And then all of a sudden it goes to the it in issue five, they completely That's cool. change the status quo. And then one page later introduce a big bad who's not a big bad, but is a big bad. This is such a weird fucking book, and I love it. 
I love it, love it, love it. And I like this Harley Quinn a lot better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, this is the difference. This is the difference between someone who is a little a little squirrely, you know, you know, you, you, uh, a little unhinged. Certainly, you don't know what's going to happen. But she, if not being in complete control of her faculties, certainly uh, shows more control of her faculties than just a, a plain jeering idiot. Yeah. Hmm. I um, want to... Bruno Redondo's art is spectacular. Like the acting in these pages hmm. is just phenomenal. Like, oh, yeah. A very simple line of remember the plan, but it's a very stern, earnest look on Floyd's face. This, this, this is great. Yeah. This, yeah. It reminds me so much of early Kevin Maguire. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't um, remember. Oh. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't remember. So I read four and five today and i don't remember which one it is that it this is revealed in but i love the idea of a suicide squad within the suicide squad you know that has gone in to take out the suicide squad that that is the real suicide squad that we are following and have been following this whole time yeah that was four uh, that's what i mean like in in issue three um issue two and three you kind of got the the mission gone awry and then now Floyd is with them, but Harley being a smart character and especially an observer of human behavior realizes like, you're all full of shit. Something's Mm -hmm. going on. So issue three is her revealing it all. Mm -hmm. And then for the backstory of, Oh my God, you have this team within a team and who's really the good guys are obviously like it's revealed. Mm -hmm. And then five resolves it in a terrible, violent, cool action movie way. (laughs) Yo, how do they take that? How do they take his force field down? They shoot zebra dude. They shoot yeah, zebra dude in the arm. The guy who was creating the force field for Locke. Got it. Yeah. So, okay. um, yeah. So, so Locke, this terrible character, is force like pretty much tells uh, Deadshot, "Kill your friend, shoot him in the head right now, and or we'll blow your face up." So Deadshot shoots the guy creating the force field, and then blows Locke's head off. Huh. And this is all. And then two pages later, Ted Cord is behind all this. Yeah, yeah I don't know about that. we'll we'll give them we'll give them some time, see where they're headed. But uh, <laughs> the first thing I thought I was like, is Ted Cord Maxwell Lord now? You know, like uh, I don't know about that. Be an interesting thing. I thought it was Maxwell Lord until they literally said Ted Cord. Yeah, yeah. Industries, and then I started thinking about like, where is he in this current continuity? And he's relatively untouched. He was just—he's just, just a—an um, uh, industrialist who has. Uh, well, actually, wait. He had some tie to Jaime Reyes in this. Yeah, but then also in Heroes in Crisis, he was—it was essentially just like old school Blue Beetle, right? right. At core Blue Beetle. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, and I'm cool. Yeah. One of the things I like about Tom Taylor is not only does he does he seem like a sadistic son of a bitch because he writes some of the most what the fuck moments in comics, but he, he does it in a way that also emotionally involves the reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the scene here where we've got Jog, the super speedster, um, is going around trying to, to you know break all of the uh, detonators that everyone has for the the Suicide Squad who have bombs in their heads. And he gets everybody except for the guy who's got his. His. He's going around fucking shit up until, you know, even though he knows 
his thing is his bomb is about to go off in his head. Um, and he has a final goodbye with Osita. Yeah. Kablooey. Great scene. And it was kind of emotional. I liked it. It was really well handled. Yeah. yeah and it, it was a, it was a really good thing too from issue four to five because you, it was, he was going to die. He almost died in the fourth issue and he had like a half issue reprieve before yeah. sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. So within the span of an issue and a half, you have a whole backstory and understanding and appreciation for this character that he immediately kills. It's yeah. like, it's like prime Joss Whedon storytelling where I'm going to make you love someone and then I'm going to immediately destroy them here. Yeah. And it's really effective. Yep. Highly recommend it. If you guys haven't read it yet, definitely it's on your, your, Right on time. It's only issue five so far, so you can probably pick up those uh, other four issues and catch up. It's really good. Venom number 25 by Donny Cates and Mark Bagley. Caught between a Brock and a hard place, Eddie must make a life-altering decision. How does Eddie move on from the events of Venom Island? So anybody who wasn't around in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a one of my favorite Venom issues was uh, Venom, who wants to kill Spider-Man, takes him to this island. And at, at that point, you know, throughout the issue, Spider-Man convinces Venom that he's dead. He fakes his own death and then swims to a cruise ship that just happens to be off the coast. And Venom, having filled his life's dream, which is to kill Peter Parker, Spider-Man, is like, shit, I, I guess I'll just hang out on this island because <laughs> I did the thing I wanted to do. That's kind of cool. I did, I did it. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, because I think Maximum Carnage is what happened. I think that's why he leaves the island and comes back. But So um, Eddie, who has now absorbed part of the, Kenage, the Carnage symbiote, as well as his Venom symbiote, is starting to get taken over. So he travels back to Venom Island to take care of this situation. And I have a couple of issues with this story uh with venom uh being treated as a character just my own personal preferences everything that donny case has been doing with this series is really really fun and interesting but there's a little thing in here that i was just like nah it doesn't feel like venom to me uh what did you guys think of this len i didn't care um (laughs) i'm i'm not a venom fan uh venom is like meh to me i didn't read any of the other storylines that feed into this so i'm reading this really honestly because it's my job so (laughs) and in doing that and with a lot of jobs that i don't like i will (laughs) dutifully do it and i'll do it to the best of my uh, ability but i won't really care what my boss thinks at the end of the day so I read this issue of Venom and I said, well, this is competently written. The art is kind of engaging. It's, 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 it's well done. It's well crafted together. Oh my God, there's a Venom dinosaur. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, I couldn't bring myself to write a proper report for my boss. Oh. So um, I may be fired. It, but- it's like, I, so for me, your review was, if this is your thing, you'll like it. I guess. But but honestly, my review is, if this is your thing, cool. 
maybe you need to find some other things. Oh. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You just not get to walk in off the street and be like, I haven't read 24 issues leading up to this. And if you're enjoying it, find something else that's better. That doesn't make any sense. I know, I know. It, it's like I said, it's what it's well done. It just didn't do anything for me. I just don't care about Venom. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm in a similar boat to Len, so I haven't read any of this as far as the experience with the title goes. Um, I haven't read any of this except maybe one issue that we read. The maker was in it, and uh, and it, it was cool. Cool. That, yeah, it was a couple a few months ago. Um, and, uh, you know, that was cool. This one I found, I liked it. I liked the story. I do like Venom. Um, it felt a little like what it was, was like a, a sort of epilogue to another story. Or I couldn't tell how much of this was told elsewhere and they were flashing back to. But that's not, like, the book is not responsible for me not having read it already. So um, uh, that's cool. That page was pretty sweet. Um, the thing with, I like their relationship, uh, the symbiote and Eddie, I thought was cool where I like it when, when bad guys become good, you know, uh, in comics and, and wherever. And I don't like that. <laughs> I, well, no, yeah. go, go no I just like when that happens, you know? And so I like to see the symbiote and Eddie being like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. You. Also, too, the symbiote. The symbiote. Uh, they in the earlier in this series, they kind of established too that the symbiote for a long time was attached to Flash Thompson, yes. who is yeah. an altruistic hero. Mm-hmm. He is now dead, yeah. uh, and found its way back to Brock. So, even the symbiote wants to be a better person, ever, mm. ever having learned from from uh, from Flash. So like it's it's the idea that like the echoes of these heroic deeds Ooh. and characters still kind of propel a little bit. And there's been a couple times throughout the series where Brock wants to be like he'll mention it too. He's just like I know that I'm not as good as as Flash Thompson. I know like but help me out or do this with me kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It was happening during all that maker stuff. His takedown of or not takedown but his analysis of his own perception about himself and it was awesome. I thought that was great too. Yeah. yeah. Where he's like, well, I used, I really thought that killing Spider-Man was the right thing to do. So when you ask me if I'm good or not, I don't know that I should be the authority on that one. But, but the, but actually asking yourself that question is almost its own telling. It's almost its own version of you understanding that you are a good person. Having, having the, uh, yeah, having the, the, uh, the, the uh, reflection, huh? The reflective hindsight? Yeah. Like being able to analyze that yourself about yourself means that you're a good person. It's that it's like having it's not having that that makes you a piece of shit. Like, yeah, I'm great. I don't have to think about it. I'm great. Like that's more destructive, which is what he used to be. This was like a classic old school Marvel anniversary issue where the actual like story was half of it, and the other half was like a recap or or a um a, a, a you know a bridging device for something else. Like um, this reminded me of maybe not as good or as bad. I'm I'm only comparing it in structure to like that first issue after one of Jeff Johns's big yeah 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 events yeah, and it's like a, it's like a cool down 
put them in a peak literally in a preview page or in like a flash forward 50 other things that I'm going to do in the next five years. Yeah. So that's what it felt like. It literally had like that two page splash page of a bunch of images that have no meaning yet and shit that's going to go down. And yeah. the whole, the whole framing device being he's telling all of this to the Avengers, which I think was what JD wanted to talk about. Well, yeah, the thing I don't like, the thing that was kind of I'm bristling about um, is there's so many, anytime a character, a villain character gets really popular, um, mm. the company, Marvel, DC, whomever, decides that they have to turn him into a good guy. And, um, you know, it feels like there's a lot of Spider-Man related villains who um, make the shift. And maybe that's indicative of the character, right? It's like, he's so good that yeah. everyone around him, he's got such a good... Um, uh, effect on people, right? Yeah. Uh, that Sandman's going to be an Avenger, right. like the Flash. Yeah. Same deal. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's something about Eddie Brock that I always liked. Like when he was showed up in the early '80s. Uh, I'm sorry, the early uh, '90s, late '80s, early '90s. He was terrifying because yeah. um, he knew Peter's secret identity that not a lot of people knew, and he would show Peter would come home. And Eddie Brock would be on his front, his Aunt May's front lawn, helping her do the laundry. Yeah. Just to intimidate Peter and be like, hey, I know where you live. I know this is your aunt. Have a great one. I'll see you later. Um, it was very intimidating and scary. So anytime Venom showed up, I was like, oh, no. And, and there's something about uh, the fact that Venom does not engage uh, or trigger Peter's spider sense. Mm. That was also really cool too, because the the symbiote had been a part of Peter. It could now it could navigate around his spidey sense, and so he was just a terrifying villain. And I always really liked him. And then even the lethal protector stuff, which I didn't read for too long because I it wasn't for me. But even the idea that listen, I just wanted to kill Spider Man. I'm a I'm a good guy. I just really wanted to eat his brains. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Sometimes you gotta eat a dude's brains. Everything about me, other than that, is great. I'm gonna try and help civilians. Um, and that was a running theme with the character when he would show up, or if he had to break out of prison in order to kill Spider-Man, he would suffocate a guard with his tendrils, mm. but then apologize to the guard while he's murdering him to be like, mm. "Listen, I'm sorry. I know you're innocent, but I gotta kill Spider-Man." So he had this interesting way of uh, getting around his own morale uh, morality. Mm. And now the Avengers are like, hey, you want to be an Avenger? And it just does not feel like that version of the character anymore, which is fine. Change is fine. But I've always really liked, you know, Brian, you had said earlier, you like when uh, villains go good. And that's one of my favorite things is to watch a villain try to be good, but then ultimately fail. Like, I think um, the infamous Iron Man was really good. Um. So, and you know, I really liked Peter's clone, Kane, when he was the Star Spider for a while. There's a scene where he's there and he's eating cereal and he's watching TV in Texas. And there's all these police sirens and, and fire sirens going off out on uh, outside. And he's kind of annoyed because he's trying to watch TV and eat his cereal. And then he goes, oh, wait. Oh, uh, I'm supposed to help. Okay, uh, I got to go. Um, it's stuff like that that I think is a really interesting um character moments but it goes a step too far when the avenger captain america shows up and is like hey you want to be an avenger buddy i, I can see that question oh. i i mean i i i hear what you're saying but i don't think it's there yet like at the end of of like this ask 
to meet with the Avengers was just that. It wasn't a, here's your card, son. It was a, hey, I I liked how you performed out there. Come and talk to us eventually. So this was more about, like, throughout all of this, he doesn't accept an invite for the most part. He just realizes, I suck. I try, but I can't even trust myself to try well. So I'm going to try something new here and just tell you everything that's happening. That's all this is. I know. Not Well, I, I mean, I didn't get there yet because I know that this character too, he's probably going to screw it up in some sort of way. But this was like a real, like I wasn't expecting him to lay it all out for the Avengers. And I don't think he's going to start rolling with them at all. But I do think that it's going to be kind of like a, just kind of a more communicative thing for a little while for the next event, you know? But I don't think that Venom's going to start showing up in the Avengers books. I don't think he's going to be. No, I think that, I, I, I think this is just an, uh, an effort to show that he's making the effort, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to become a, like you, you can't, you can't grind all the edges just like they do with Loki. Mm-hmm. Like he's still a piece of shit, but sometimes he's a piece of shit for a good reason. <laughs> and that's about it. If it wasn't the Avengers, if it was some other team, if it yeah. was some other... Like the Fantastic Four? I mean, like, what other team? Yeah. Like the Defenders, been... maybe? I could see the Defenders. Dark Avengers? I'm sorry, the Savage Avengers? Oh, yeah. That still a, is that still a thing? Yeah. I, I see where you're coming from, totally. Like, So I like the quality of when, you know, somebody who was it wasn't as good becomes good but you lose something sometimes what you lose is that original character and you know all the things that you said about venom make him a really interesting spider-man villain um and then you don't get to do that anymore unless you create somebody who's kind of like that but isn't that but then he's not that anymore um although that has been around in venom in particular you know, he was always all about, like, I hate Spider-Man because he kills innocents, you know, or not kills, but puts them in danger. Yeah, he's always had his own weird, even when he was a villain or a piece of garbage, it was based off of misunderstanding, right? If yeah. you if you take that away or if you inform him, is he going to be that big of a piece of garbage anymore? Well, it's not a misunderstanding. He's literally murdering, he was literally murdering innocent people but then feeling bad about it, but he still did it. Oh, so it's more like an addiction. It's well, more like it's a drug metaphor. He's no, he's just he's got he's got the blinders on, right? And all he sees is Spider Man, and everyone else can go suffocate as long as I get the Spider Man. The way that Dick Cates has been writing him, it's 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 refashioning it as more of like an addiction. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I like I I have no relationship to that older stuff that you do too. So I like. I'm enjoying this for what it is. I, 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 I'm almost glad I don't have that, mm-hmm. that uh, beautiful baggage. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those, like, there's a sweet spot for Venom for me where mm-hmm. he's a little bit bad, but yeah. he's trying to do good. Yeah, and I yeah. think, you know, having Captain America palling around with him just kind of deadens that a little bit for me. I don't think they're getting beers. Oh, I, well, I do like, I do like that. <laughs> Captain Marvel is totally thirsty for him. Oh, yeah, she is. <laughs> and it seems like they might have been together before. Doesn't it a little bit? I don't think so. I think she's just like... No. Well, she's like, oh, I'm glad you got the beard back. 
Oh, well, she, I'm sorry. So this isn't the first time that he's engaged with the Avengers in issue number 24, I think, um, or oh. earlier in a couple issues ago. Mm. They invited um, him to just have a sit down to see if he's a right fit for the Avengers and to thank him for everything that he did during Absolute Carnage. Wait, wasn't that in his head? That was Wait, in his what? head. Yeah, so after, like, immediately after Absolute Carnage, literally, like, the cops are there cleaning things up. All Cap does is say, I'd like you to come by and I want to talk to you about how, I, I just want to talk to you because what you did today is heroic, no matter what happened before. And You're then, right. yeah, so the, he's never met, he's never met with them. It was just, it's, mm -hmm. he's only seen them in action recently, right? Yeah, and, but he's referencing something that she said in that dream sequence, which was after he leaves the Avengers, you know, table. Oh, I prefer the beard. She goes, she goes, yeah. She's like, oh, I'm bummed that she shaved his beard. And then someone's like, all right, Carol, relax. Um, and then in this, she goes back and goes, oh, you got the beard back. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Does that, maybe you're right. So does that happen before he leaves for the island? Maybe. I'll have to go back and look. But yeah, yeah it's, I don't have it on hand. Tim, he's, he's on that island. I'm sorry, Tim from Tim from last week says, I think it depends what happens in the Venom sequel. If he's a good guy in that, he's leading the Avengers in comics for six months after. Funny. Is that that's, the thing, that's the problem I had with the Venom movie as well. Although, side note, anytime I hear Venom in Eddie's head, I hear the voice from the movie that they gave to Venom. <laughs> that was actually Hardy, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh. yeah it was digitally altered Hardy. Um but uh, that was the thing about the end of the Venom movie is that, oh, he's trying to be a good guy already. And it's like, oh, all right, well, we've already kneecapped this character. If, if he and Spider-Man interact, mm. you know, you're just going to have two guys trying to be good with spider costumes on. Like, all right. Uh, Tim's next comment is, is interesting. I've always likened it to a crusade or religious. I'm sorry you have to die. Yeah. But I needed to do it to kill Spider-Man. Perfect. Yeah, That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Yo, I like the uh, the hand thing is an interesting way for him to have a Venom sort of look all the time. And yeah, yeah. He chopped yeah, off his own hand in the last issue. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole spin of like the whole um, Venom Island thing was really cool because it was it was it was obviously like a pastiche of Heart, Heart of Darkness going to detox alone on this on this island or or with this, you know place and then they they retcon the idea of this island too that it was actually used as a as a port for smuggling so it has a whole bunch of weapons caches and or like hidden bunkers and shit in it so he literally just goes there to fight the symbiote which is well, to fight carnage that's stuck inside of him which is essentially like a detox story mm -hmm. but it gets really evil dead at one point where it's in his hand or it's taking like it's starting to come up into him and he just like fuck and just cuts his own hand off. Mm. It, it's a cool, it was actually a really cool uh, arc. Mm. Like this almost wasn't, and 25 was more of an anniversary issue than a um, resolution of the arc because that like the 24, uh, issue 24 ends with a cliffhanger of the giant dinosaur. And then this smash cuts to fast forward. He's describing everything that happened on the island as opposed to showing you, which usually sucks. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, show don't tell, it's comics. But the bigger story was him kind of recapping and mm. telling you what's up. Like another issue of of him on the island, I think I would have lost patience personally. <laughs> One thing I will say, if Venom does ultimately 
become a member of the Avengers. It tracks a little, at least in my head, as a longtime reader of Astro City by Kurt Busiek. Um, there's a character in there called the Living Nightmare, who, while he's not in, in any way a, uh, um, like a Venom character, but he is like this embodiment of people's nightmares and all this type of stuff. And he's a villain for the most part, his entire existence in Astro City, which if you're a fan of that book, you know, depending on where you pick it up, it, the stories are taking place all, all over the place. One story may be taking place in a far off future. One story may be present day. One may be in the past or whatever. And the living nightmare, depending on where you pick it, picking up the book is for the most part a villain but sometimes he's a misunderstood villain and then there was also a period of time where and I forget exactly how it came about but he was on the side of good and was a member of the Avengers of Astro City World Honor Guard and that was and their take on bringing him on, despite all their battles that they had had against him or, or all that they knew that he w had been guilty of, was that for whatever reason, I can't remember, he had shown himself to be on the side of good. And their rationalization was, well, if we want this to continue, mm. then let's bring him on to our side where, if nothing else, we'll be able to keep an eye on him and maybe keep him on the the straight and narrow hmm. so that maybe also tracks with the avengers contemplating bringing him on to their team especially someone like captain america that's the only way in my mind it tracks hmm. that captain america is interested in bringing him into the fold Think about that. it reminds me of a story that i heard where uh Somebody in high school, they, they you know took some standardized test, right? And they had always been a C student, but they got a very high, like an A level grade on the standardized test, and they were like, "Oh wow, you know," and they started to do a lot better in school. And I don't know if this story is true or not, but it turned out that that was a mistake. They had gotten a C level grade on the standardized test, but their, you know, belief, an interest, and a confidence, and then it and then it carried forward. I think it's a great reason to to have somebody on. Yeah, the when when the paragon of good in the Marvel universe, or you know, yeah, tells you like, hey, you did a good job. Yeah, like, I believe in you. All right, cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm into this now. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love this book. This, yeah, this book. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say I don't like. I enjoy the Venom series. I like all of Donny Cates' stuff that he's putting out right now. It's it's a great book. It's just. I have this little preference. That's all it is. Is a preference for the character of Venom, and that that you know, things change, and that's fine. Well, you can also be. You know, I, I I think it's good to to say that it's all right that things change, and that doesn't mean that we can't be upset with the changes. Hold on. I got, um, I got this recently. Ooh. This is David Michelini and Eric Larson um, omnibus. Mm. Which has the original, I showed it earlier, the original um, Venom Island issues. Mm. This is one of my favorite eras of Spider-Man. Uh, early or Late 80s, early 90s, Todd McFarlane, David Michelini. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should know that when things change in comics, they change for good. Yeah. And they also negate everything you ever liked before. 
It's true. That book I just showed you, it's gone now. It disappeared. You might as well set it on fire because like all the dialogue disappears. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Um, this has been Spoiler Alert, the weekly comic book review show, discussion show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can help us out if you go to patreon.com slash johnnydestructo. You can go to jdsherocomplex.shop and pick up some trade paperbacks. My shop is also doing mail outs and uh, curbside pickup. So give me a call and let me know if there's anything you need. Um, comic books are back. Uh, they're being shipped out every week now. So get back to your local comic shop, support them, pick up your local, uh, pick up your weekly books. Noel, what's up? Does anybody, so I was getting a lot of reading done, like emptying stacks of stuff that I've kind of had waiting. I love the fact that comics are back. I like, it's the best thing in the world. It makes my week happier. But a small part of me is going to miss reading new like collections that I missed or mm -hmm. catching up on little things. Does anybody else like? It's almost like I don't want to sound like I'm kicking a gift horse in the mouth or looking a gift horse in the mouth. But does, <laughs> does anybody else feel the same thing? Yeah, kicking it. <laughs> I was I mean, doing the book clubs we were doing in lieu yeah. of spoiler alert. Yeah, in regard to this show, I, I, I was enjoying that, um, and I'm glad that we're continuing it to a degree. Yeah, well, anybody who didn't watch the next, the last episode, we've decided that, you know, out of every month, the first three weeks will be a regular spoiler alert review show about the weekly comics. And then the fourth week, or the last week of every month, will be a couple of issues from that week, but then mostly a book club. Uh, and the, the one that we're going to be doing this time is going to be Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore, mm. volume one. So. Read, read along if you'd like to join us in a couple weeks to talk about that. Um, Noel, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter at Mr. Bartocci, M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I, or on the Cult Pop social medias. I'll respond if you uh, rub the lamp three times and whatnot. Right on. Brian? Uh, I am at uh, brianleibdesign.com, and uh, I am also on social media under my own name. And Len. Hey, what's up? You can hit me up on all the social media. Uh, Len, the Bat Tribble, or you can find me in any place and every place that you find the Black Tribbles, my other pod, podcast home, um, where we'll be, I'll be streaming at 2 p.m. today on Gutter Talk uh, as we present Distraction Central, as we talk about everything else that's going on in the world of geek um, just uh, offering you an opportunity to, to have a little bit of a reprieve from what's been happening in the world uh, this past week. We will see you soon, and we will talk at you later. Da -da -da! There it is. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is